Pitsill Racers and Rental Cars Podcast with your host, Top Fuel Cam, Cameron Foray, and his co-host, Mr. Top Sportsman, Don O'Neill. Keep on till they can't ignore you. Put it up for the Wigan Warriors. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars Podcast, where we talk everything motorsports marketing related, the ins and the outs, the do's and the don'ts, the turning lefts, going straights, the rumors and the gossips. We are here to entertain you in the world of motorsports. So Cameron Frey and I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for rating, review, subscribe, telling 10 of your closest friends, and let's get into this week's episode. What's up, West Coast Cam? Not too much, man. Dude, today, I literally am pretty sure I, I should just go back to bed because it just hasn't been my day today. And then I just got a text message right now as I'm telling you this that my my poor brother, you know, he uh, just decided to send me a text. Hey, I need your I need your uh, collision advice. He's in Hawaii, living the American dream like he just does because he's just peace excellence. And uh, um, he's like, so I might have hit a, a what? Uh, what would you say this would cost? So not really my fault, but I scraped the rental car. He scraped the rental car, Don. And scraping the rental car, according to this photo. Looks like he backed over a rock or something at a volcano or whatever the hell he's doing. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I guess my day could be just as bad as his. But, yeah, man, I do. I work up on the wrong side of the bed. I forgot my coffee this morning on the counter. Then I forgot my backpack with my keys, and I'm administering a final. And I figure out that I forgot my keys when I pulled into the when I pulled into the school. And I'm like, are you kidding me? These kids, how are they going to weld and do all the things I'm going to have them do when I can't get in the building? So then I got in an art, not an argument, but a heated conversation with the nice parking lady that they were doing some event in our parking lot at the college because nobody's there, right? <laughs> She's like, you can't go in there. Long story short, she thought I was a student, not an instructor, and wouldn't let me into the instructor parking lot. <laughs> Come, Yeah, I, was, I had to wear a mask and all that. So, and yeah, yeah. Anyway, the 12-year-old teacher, and then come to find out she felt really bad. And yeah, anyway. So, yeah. So now I'm here for my break, and then I got to go do a little thing with Impy on here in a little bit, and then uh, yeah, back to the school, and then I'm done for like a month. Oh, thanks How for tuning your, in. How was your day, Don? <laughs> oh, I'm not even getting. I'm not even gonna get going. Folks, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Racers and Rental Cars podcast, where you just heard first world problems from our my lovely co-host, and I say lovely with all of the significant emotional terms that can go with that as he just described to you a whole lot of nonsense so when he gets his appraisal and and they have the irresponsibility block checked on his uh assessment we'll all know where it came from but this week you are going to get to hear from one of the best in the motorsports marketing game we teased it a couple weeks ago you've heard his name mentioned many times on our show we're gonna have the one and only alex striller on he is world famous especially after his uh performance this past weekend for the pri a virtual education program since we did not have pri this year but before we get to all of that before this is the week before christmas i want to come out of the gate swinging Folks, Don's are fire. Everyone, he gives me shit for mine. So let's hear it. No, no, no. Here we go. Okay. Nope, nope. I want to let two, two, one, one, go. go. 
folks, this is your last chance. Manscaped.com. Get your stocking stuffer stuff done right now. We're, we're coming. I don't want you to miss out, screw up, forget, or miss an opportunity to save some money and make one of your loved ones very happy. Go over to Manscaped.com. Use RIRC. Get in on everything that they have going on. Get the perfect package. Get your underwear, your trimmer, all, all of the items foot duster crop mop crop cleaner the list goes on and on it's like building a race car if you need it me how much they actually have now instead of just like the 3.0 lawnmower trimmer it's you know we got we got all kinds of crop mops we got nose trimmers ear trimmer i mean the the list is the list is endless so there is no excuse to not have your significant others stocking not full of manscaped products all right so you got time, but here's the one thing, right? And, and this is this is something that I guess it's just the way the world turns right now. And I want I'm I'm gonna read this verbatim because it made my eyebrows raise up when when they sent it to me uh, in the in the PR deal. So Manscaped.com and all of their products, they wanted to emphasize this during the holiday season. These formulations are all vegan. Cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and ferbin-free. So you know their products are legit. We didn't offend anybody or any animals to make these products. So even though you might get offended by some of the ad reads that we may do for you uh, for Manscaped.com, folks, you can't get a better company or a better product. Again, they're looking out for, for testicular cancer for men. So do yourself a favor. Yep, that was a long read, but it's the last week before christmas manscape.com r-i-r-c in the discount block save yourself some money make somebody smile for the holidays all right cam so here comes your dumpster fire so waiting i've been waiting for 12 minutes now 12 minutes well we're gonna we're gonna we gotta get to our 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 special guest we gotta get our special guest yeah he should be the host actually and we should just be the guest right i mean how i mean this is you want to talk about being like out of your element or really out of your league uh to be able to have and introduce them and try to banner with alex but nonetheless what is going on with the sponsorship deals that are coming out from some of these teams. I I am I'm very perplexed. We did a bunch of episodes during the year when everything was going on in NASCAR with Bubba Wallace and and so forth. But but this week the announcements that have been coming out from Jordan's team with Denny Hamlin have just kind of left me raising my eyebrows and not really understanding why they're doing them the way they are and and yeah, i was it they got there was a, like a slew of them right like McDonald's, but it was, who else was uh, right yeah mcdonald's yeah. right uh, exactly that's yeah. where i was starting at one press release for mcdonald's dr pepper doordash columbia and root insurance fought and, and and they and they put in the press release inventory full so you made one <laughs> press release announcement for five companies now now let's just say let's just go with the fact that it's probably 350 to 450 was what we're going to say a race is with Bubba Wallace and Michael Jordan and Denny Hamlin's team so easy math for us 
you know, slow people, North Carolina over here, let's just call it a half a million. If you just do 20 races, 20 races at a half a million, and you put in the press release, inventory, two. full, right, exactly, start carrying twos, zeros, and commas. Do, I mean, I'm perplexed. I mean, it we just do seems sponsor- like the also rans. Yeah, but hey, it, it, new team. Maybe they maybe they hired a new PR person. We don't know like all the details, or maybe the agency or whoever they're using to do all this stuff wanted it like that. I mean, we don't know the details, but yeah, it did look a little weird because I I kind of I was reading and reading and reading and all the names <laughs> it just kept going and going and going. I'm like, wow. I mean, good for them, but I mean, those are some pretty high digit names like DoorDash and stuff like McDonald's. I'm, yeah. And Dr. Pepper, I mean, you know, but this it could have I, been very well could have been some co-op money or something that they're using this, and it's not just ah uh, they they laid that out in the press release too because oh, the last did, time but yeah yeah the last time Burger King was in NASCAR or I'm sorry Dr. Pepper was in NASCAR it was a co-op deal through Burger King that was the last time this is a full-on fledged Dr. Pepper into NASCAR. And so I'm just, I, I was like, man, where's the, you know, when do you shine the light? I'm the sponsor. I just wrote this big check. Do I or do I not get the spotlight? Well, yeah, you do, but you get to share it with five other people. And so I was just kind of perplexed about that. And I did. I sent out a couple of text messages to some people. And when they responded back to me that it was weird to them and they didn't understand that made me feel better. Like I wasn't a complete and utter idiot in the boat by myself. So, um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, but that being said, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dance on that. They got more announcements coming, which I have no idea. I mean, dude, how do you top that? But nonetheless, uh, it is Jordan. So I'm sitting around on pins and needles, ready to see what he comes up with. So, are you excited about having Alex on? Yeah. Are you kidding? It was actually funny. My, my wife, cause I have a, he'll get to it. I'm sure. But he does have a book published author. Um, my book is on my nightstand on the side of my bed. And my wife was like, Oh, who's, you know, she, I was like, Oh, I got a podcast. And she's like, Oh, okay. She's like, do you have a guest today? I'm like, as a matter of fact, we do. And she's like, Oh really? And I said, who? And she said, who? And I said, the guy that wrote this book. And she's like, look at you go. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, here I mean, we we're trying to we're, we're trying just, to go we're places. Ryan, we're just Ryan Alex's coattails. It's all good. <laughs> we're, we're gonna see. We we get Courtney on. We get Woody on. We get Brett Kepner. We're just riding the coattails. That's all That's we're right. doing. All right. That's well, true. let's get Alex on, and we're gonna I'll get have, a we're gonna I get an opportunity. Ready. You got your pen ready. I got my voice recorder rolling over here. Uh, but nonetheless, folks, we're gonna bring in Mr. Alex Stryler. Alex, are you there, sir? I am here. Hey, Don. Hey, Cam. How are you Welcome. guys? Good. Yourself? Oh, we're doing good. Good this morning. Nice. Well, Look well, at, welcome. He's wearing a Speed Vegas shirt. You know it's going to be a good conversation when he's wearing a Speed Vegas. Have you? I've, do you like own that? Do I not know? Or are you just? You, a I'm friend sure you... of mine owns it, but, oh, okay. but uh, right. I like going there. Great, yeah, great place yeah. to practice and race. And now they have an off-road track, so you know. You oh, can really? Do a lot of good I didn't know that. There. Nice. Yeah, out back. Nice. You can ride razors if you want. They have a razor track. Sweet. Don, for those of you in the back named Don that don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> um, Speed Vegas <laughs> is like a tra- it's a thing in Vegas. It's like a experience deal that they have in Vegas, which is pretty cool. So, 
is anyway. I have to say, you guys are, are, are hyping me, but I have to hype you because a little after Thanksgiving, you know, I usually listen to your podcast when I'm driving. It's just uh, driving or working on the yard. And I, I don't know where we were going, but I, we were driving. I was listening to the podcast. One of my sons was in the car. And you guys had mentioned me on, it was right around Thanksgiving, a little after Thanksgiving. And then my son, who doesn't listen to the podcast at all, he's listening to his own headphones, his own music. He hears over the, what he thought was the radio, you know, so I was playing your podcast. He's like, Dad, they just said your name. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, well, you know how it is. And, <laughs> I'm kind of a big know, deal, son. Son. Yeah. <laughs> son, when you're me, you know, this that is what is funny. <laughs> yeah, cool. Exactly. Uh, and that's in Alex. He really was. That's Alex, cool. that's the way it goes. I don't care. I got four daughters, and I am not a big deal to any of them, <laughs> at all. Right? Not not a big not a big deal at all. And it's like okay, all right. I'm just moving on here. Yeah. All right. You know, you well, can I, never be famous at home. You can always be famous <laughs> and well known outside of your environment because people just who know you, they know who you are. Yeah. They yes. know too much about you. That's exactly. Right. That's, that's that the thing. They know too much about you. Yes. That, that that's for sure. Absolutely. In a way, that's why racers have an advantage. Is because if racers try to be famous within the racing community, it doesn't work as well as if they try to be well known or famous among strangers and outside the racing community. Mm-hmm. A lot of racers don't look at it that way. They always try to promote to their base and the people who already know racing. I think you can become far more popular and increase a lot of brand value by going to strangers and outsiders. You know, everybody loves a champion. Everybody loves someone who's top or an expert, even if you've never heard of that person. You go to a, I don't know, you just, you, you suddenly meet somebody who is a basketball champion and you've never heard of that person before, but because that person is a champion, you have instant respect. Racers can do that if they go into strange territories. Absolutely. I, uh, I was on a, that card I a ride along once. Well, it's funny because when Roger Browning ran the IndyCar program for Hewlett Packard, he invited me, and I was in the back, and he's like, hey, have you ever ridden in the two-seater IndyCar? This was at the Long Beach Grand Prix. And I was like, no, but I'd love to. He goes, all right. So he puts me in the two-seater. Now, of course, to so ride jealous. the two-seater, you have to put on a race suit, and you have to put on gloves, and you know, you have to dress like you're a racer. As I'm walking back from after getting a ride at Long Beach Grand Prix, I had tourists stop me and take my photo, take photos with me, thinking <laughs> I was an actual racer. <laughs> and said, you know what? <laughs> Uh, they were four. I'm in the so, show. Yeah, I'm with the band. I'm with the band. Language and say sorry. <laughs> yeah. I'm signing autographs. You know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna want. You're not gonna want to wash that off. Yeah. Right. <laughs> something one That's day. funny, huh? Uh, well, Alex, I'll I'll give you your own intro and rundown. You basically have been involved with some of the largest companies when it comes to motorsports marketing. Uh, in the country and been doing it for quite a long time, a very long track record. You've kind of put your mark on education for PRI. I w- I'm going to kind of date myself here. This would have been your fifth year, correct? That's correct. Yes. The ed- uh, PRI so. has an education seminar and I, I run the sponsorship program. I've been speaking for five years about sponsorship that. every year, trying to change it up a little bit, but um, I tell you, we always pack that conference room with racers who want to learn more because without sponsorship, it's very difficult to uh, get that technical advantage with better equipment. And so sometimes you have to pay for the technology. If you're a great racer, um, you have to do that with money and everybody has to raise money. Well, and that's true. And I, and I want for one have been coming to your, 
your seminars and for the love of God, they're always first thing Saturday morning and it's like hangover city sitting in that conference room. <laughs> Coffee's flowing. Eyeballs are red. Visines are getting passed around. Uh, and people are trying to pay attention that early in the morning when they only went to bed at like three o'clock. But nonetheless, um, me too. By you, the way, yeah, I know, I know <laughs> we're all in the same wavelength. We're right? entertaining clients, dogs. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Oh my God. Nonetheless, uh, so let's jump off here. You've been through some different programs. You've had different seminars. You, you're you're doing your best to pass on your learning experiences and, and actually, you know, if you want to, you know, in the military, we call them best practices learned. You seem to be doing that and you've been doing that, like I said, for the, like the last five years. And this week you did a PRI seminar and it kind of worked in that for you to be on our show. And I really wanted to kind of focus in cam and i have somewhat right we hover at that ten thousand foot area of educating people and trying to give them ideas on decks and proposals and what not to do's and and we've tried to right the ship some if you will that's been floating around out there in the ocean uh for the past few years but there's something that you've talked about the last week on the pri and you talk about it in your book, but it is something that I truly personally can say that I am horrible at. I suck at doing it to be able to publicly do it. Uh, privately, I have no problem, but publicly, it's a significant issue. And that's when you start talking about proof of performance. And so I, I want you just to kind of give us a little bit of of how right we talk a lot about apps and certain template projects and cam and i have went through different snap seeds and and using uh powerpoint and, and adobe and, and using illustrator and things of this nature it just like if you were going to guide us and say okay guys when you do your proof of performance this is where you need to kind of look to start with like a basic template package. And this is what you would need to be in on it and explain why we would need there. So you got three questions for you to expand on. Cause I know you like to get emotional and fired up about, about this topic. So uh, I'm going to let you have at it. Well, first off you guys about every third or fourth episode, you speak in depth on sponsorships and marketing and everything you say is right on. So I really enjoy those episodes um, you cover a lot of this already in bits and pieces, but what I think you're getting to is renewals. Um, if you think about sponsorship, a lot of first years, and I know, Don, you're against this. Most of us are, that a lot of racers will give a free or a super cheap sponsorship <laughs> to a, a company the first year to get them on board. And, you know, that hurts a lot of other teams. It really does because it devalues everything, but they do it anyway. Year one is good to get a new sponsor on board, but years two through 10 or two through 20, that's where you make the money. That's that's where the, the real financial benefit comes from having a sponsor. And years two through 10 or two through 20, that comes from renewals. Um, you use a deck to meet a new brand and a new company just to get them interested. You use a proposal to propose a relationship that makes it official, that gets them to sign on, and that gets them to start a business relationship with you that they pay for, and you become a marketing extension for them. But then when the season ends, now you have to get them to renew. 
you know what you did, and probably the marketing director who you're dealing with or the sponsorship director, they also know what you did. But the CFO who has to allocate the budget or the CEO who has to sign off, they need to know what you did too. And chances are they weren't watching all your races and didn't keep up with your season. They're too busy. They got other things to do. So you need to somehow provide um, data for them so that it's easy for them to see in one sitting, wow, this this team really was an extension of our marketing. This brand ambassador added value, and that value is something we need to continue doing because we want to build on our equity. And that comes through proof of performance. Uh, but proof of performance, it doesn't start uh, – it's not a one-time thing that you do at the end of the season. It doesn't start when the season ends. You do a proof of performance, send it to your sponsor. Hey, look what I did. No, proof of performance starts the day you sign a new contract. You want to start showing your sponsors everything you're doing to promote them and to add value. It's not necessarily promoting showing off the banners, the logos, you know, their, their brands. You, you want to show how you're adding value in any way that satisfies their business goals. Some businesses, like retailers, they want foot traffic into the stores. You know, did you drive foot traffic to Napa Auto Parts like Ron Caps does? Ron Caps does more autograph signings and in-store appearances than he does races. He spends more time at Napa Auto Parts stores in between races than he does on the track racing. That adds value. He's been sponsored by Napa forever. You know, if you're sponsored by a manufacturer, you want to show that that brand is helping contribute to your performance. And you do all that through proof of performance. You can do it, well, there's two ways to do it. You have to do it with a periodic, you know, event summary, usually a half or maybe three quarters of a page. Right after you do something, send it to your sponsorship director, your contact, let them know what you did, and be very honest in your analysis. It's not about, I got on the podium and I won, you know, two times this weekend. Proof of performance is not about you, it's about your sponsors. Right. What I think a did lot of your people sponsor, get confused there. A lot of people confuse that. They, they, you know, they'll show themselves with a picture of them standing on their car holding up a trophy. Well, that's not what a sponsor wants. A sponsor wants to see them holding up a trophy, wearing the sponsor's logo with a thousand fans taking pictures, potentially uploading those photos to social media. And then that spreads the sponsor's, at least their, their livery, their, their logo, it spreads their image. And it shows that they contributed to the win and contributed to the performance. So event summaries are just quick, one by one, here's what I did this weekend, and it doesn't have to be about the racing. What some, some actually most racers that I've, I've helped and dealt with over the years, they seem to think that their only performance is on the track, and that's not true. If you're not adding value on the track, you're not winning races, not getting visibility, not being interviewed, you're not on television, well, do stuff between races. The Hart and Huntington race team, when Kerry Hart was in off-road, he parked the Hart and Huntington semi off the 91 freeway. Cam, you know how busy that freeway oh, yeah. is. I, Hundreds of thousands of cars go by there. Now the PMG and building, the, and, yeah. And, yeah, and the hauler was parked like a billboard. Now, how much would a billboard be on one of the most busy freeways in the United States? 30000 40000 bucks a month? Something like that? Well, that was the value that he added by parking his semi there between the races. He wasn't even at the track, right? So your event summaries can show that. Now, at the end of the year, you want to take all of your event summaries, put them at a big, thick volume. I mean, this is, you know, everything you've done, put it together, and then summarize it. Try to summarize and quantify the data, how many people saw you. If you passed out coupons, how many coupons were cashed in? How many autograph signings did you do? How many posters did you hand out, did you sign? You know, what all did you do? Give a, a good summary. 
that's on top of the big thick stack of all your event summaries. And then that you want professionally bound, where the event summaries can just be an email. Hey, here's what I did. Hope you liked it. Do you have any suggestions? What else can I do next week for you at the next event? Those are, you know, keeping in touch and keeping um, sort of, you know, baseline with your, your sponsorship director so that they know what you're doing and that you're working for them. But at your end, now you want to create something that that person's going to give the CFO, the CEO, and other executives to discuss in a management meeting, do we want to renew this team or not? And if you print real nice, you know, thick bounds, usually it's a coffee table book, and it might cost 100 or $200 um, to do it. The best ones I've seen are very impressive. This is something that you're not going to throw away like the average deck. Uh, if you present them with that, I think that really increases the odds of getting a renewal. And there's a, a huge side benefit to having proof of performance. Um, not only does it let you gauge mid-season how well you're doing, because if you have nothing to send because you haven't added any value, now you got to step back and go, hmm, i got to do something different. It, it, it lets you adjust, lets you fine-tune your program like you fine-tune your car. And the best part about com- sort of compiling these event summaries is that the proof of performance reports become content for future decks. If you meet a new sponsor that you weren't you know, where you're going to meet and now they, they're requesting a deck, now you have something to send them because you've already compiled it. You don't have to go out and try to make it up real fast. Right. So there's... There's more value in a proof of performance report, in my opinion, than there is the deck that finds the sponsor or the proposal that signs the sponsor. No, that's a good proof point. Proof keeps them coming back. Yeah, like even when I was at Race Pack, we'd get complaints about people that would say, you know, and like the sponsor stuff that we did, where I mean, we're not talking millions of dollars, but we were doing things for people and they would be like, I would get emails that say, oh, well, how can you sponsor so-and-so? They haven't won in, you know six months but i've won 17 races at my local thursday night bracket race well that's perfectly fine but and i would give them examples look at what said person has done for me they've done this this and this and you know you see them all over the place and that's why not because they've won 17 races like you know they don't have to win and i and like you said people get so caught up on the trophy picture i mean sure they're great and everybody wants to win and sponsors want to win but I feel like I mean, look at there's look at all these influencers. What are they winning? You know, all these yeah. bachelorette. <laughs> I mean, they're not doing not anything other than influencing people to buy stuff. So I mean, I I do think I agree with you. People get way too hot on oh well, I've won and this person hasn't. So why are you sponsoring them? That shouldn't be your sales pitch to somebody if you're trying to. Which you shouldn't be stealing people's sponsors anyways. But <laughs> if you are in a situation where it's don't use that line. I don't well, it's like Ken Block. Hey, Ken Block doesn't race a lot. Well, he does Gymkhana videos. So there you, know, you go. Gymkhana videos are worth way more than most people racing at this yeah, point. So you don't have to race to impress yeah. a sponsor. Right. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Alex, let me, let's go back here to the, where we're talking about trying to get the renewals at the end. Cause it's something I want you to expand about a little bit. So Cam and I are both educated guys, been through motorsports marketing programs, advertising marketing programs. When it comes to doing these proof of performance, right, having a metric system. So let's just say that we're talking about the small race teams, right? So we're we're typically a lot of our administrative marketing and advertising stuff, we we third party contract it out, right? Or we get a freelancer to, to come in and work for six or eight weeks and put stuff together and, and move on. 
when you're talking about doing these proof of performances, what I mean, I hear algebraic expressions and math and Excel spreadsheets and stuff. This is what I'm envisioning in my head as I'm getting a headache right now. Who are we looking for or where are we going to find people that would be so so called experts in being able to streamline or assist a team in getting up off the ground to do that and putting the right information and data collection together to evaluate, you know, your social media uh, presence and what your B2B value is and, and so forth. Where, where are we going? So with professional teams, they get to the, the level where they can hire people to do that, obviously, because they, ha- they have a payroll and a staff. But I don't know that that's actually smart. I think it's better to do things on your own because you only really need to give a quick summary of what you've done at an event. And an event does not have to be a race. It could be anything. Like I said, an autograph signing at a retail store, you can write down one paragraph pretty easily as an amateur or or half a page of what you've done. And I think you should do that. That way, in your mind, you're seeing if you're adding value. And if you're not adding value, then in your mind, you can go back and go, geez, what else do I need to do here? I didn't get any mentions on the Jumbotron. I didn't get any podiums. I didn't sign any autographs. I didn't hand any out any posters. Nobody stopped by my pit. If I'm going to tell this, this sponsor that I did something for him, holy crap, what am I going to do? So you, you have to then come up with things. It's, it's like teaching your kids how to change the brakes on a car. If they watch you and watch you and watch you, they'll never learn. You have to make them do it themselves once. And then all of a sudden, oh, I get it. Now I know how to change brakes. I have three sons and a daughter, and I've gone through the, the whole working on cars thing so many times that the, the boys used to watch me. They don't learn until they try on their own. So I think an amateur and a sportsman team, and that term sportsman is even interesting because I think all racers are racers. They shouldn't really be categorized or segmented. I think everybody needs to do that on their own. And if you're not doing it on your own, then you're kind of passing off what to me is one of the more important aspects of renewals is showing what value you created and if you can't communicate that through your writing maybe that sponsor doesn't need you anymore so find a way to to make value and if you can't communicate it in writing then maybe you need to reevaluate the whole sponsorship and find different sponsors because not all sponsors have the same needs you might be able to you might be a better team for a product sponsor in aftermarket parts than you are in a non-endemic you know energy drink or you might be a better sponsor for an insurance company or a service provider that just wants impressions and collect data. Or you might be like Ron Caps, where you drive traffic to retail stores. You'll find your value as you start doing these proof of performance reports, and that'll help you target and steer your sponsorship efforts to the right sponsors. A lot of racers don't get sponsors not because they're doing it wrong, but because they're targeting the wrong sponsors. Cam actually said earlier, you know, don't call companies in racing. I totally agree. Don't call a brand that's already in racing. Call their competitors. Call the brand that's not in racing. That's the one that wants to come in, not the guy that's already racing. If you call the, the brand that's already racing, you're yep. going to devalue the value for everybody because you're going to have to offer more at a less at a cheaper price. And then what does that do? Uh, it brings prices down. You know, uh, he was listening. That's not in racing. That's what he was listening. Do. He's been listening to our show. I listen a lot. Yeah, yeah. You guys are great. Oh, man. Everybody needs no. to listen, man. If, if everybody oh. listened, they'd all be making a lot more money. I'll tell you that. Well, and so you said something there that, that is a trigger point. Okay, so you're doing it yourself. Okay, I'm with that. I know where my value is. But how, 
how am I going to value or do the analytics or metrics for my value on social media when so-and-so has so many followers, uh, but the engagement, you know, I don't have this. So that value piece every week or every day that you're doing that, I think that becomes another issue or concern or speed bump, if you will, for when we're talking about it, because if a company doesn't have an evaluation program or a formula to give you, then then how are we really going to judge? Are, it, it, would you say that there's a standardized formula for social media? No, it's actually the exact opposite. And um, if you don't know what the – so you have to back up and ask – what industry is this company in who is my sponsor? What is their business? Who's their customer? And what does their customer consider value? And let me give you an example. I'm going to make it real obvious. Let's say you're sponsored by Monster Energy and you have a social media post. Or let's say, no, no, let's, let's say you get interviewed on TV for 30 seconds for Monster Energy and you get Monster Energy exposure uh, on television. Well, do they really need exposure? Does, you know, who doesn't know Monster at this point? Does that extra exposure have any value to Monster? Probably not. But now if you said, look, I handed out 4,500 samples to 18-year-old and over adults that came to my races, and 300 came back and asked, wow, that's really good. Where can I get it? Okay, now that adds value. So depending on who the sponsor is, there's different um, interpretations and different definitions of value. Some companies value hands-on sampling, like tool companies and electric companies. Some values um, product sampling, you know, food and beverage. Some value exposure. Now, now, there are some cases when companies really like exposure. So if you say, hey, I got all this exposure, all this visibility, all these social media followers, I got all these hits, all these impressions, you know, and those are the young companies, the companies that nobody's ever heard of. The problem with young companies is they have no money. So, you know, the benefit is, yay, you're getting young companies value by giving them exposure. The problem is they're probably not giving you money in return. They're probably just assisting you and lowering costs somehow because, Although they value that exposure because they want people to get to know them, they don't have the money to pay you. Monster has the money to pay you, but they don't need exposure. They want other things from it. So when you're determining the value of your actions, you got to stop looking at what you're doing for yourself. It's not, hey, I had a 30-minute TV interview on Channel 5 News. It's that Hey, I had a TV interview on Channel 5 News, and that interview reached 15 million households. It had 45 active viewers between 34 and 54 years old, 65% of which were male, and watched the entire segment. Now you're defining more value. And so value is not what you're doing. Value is has to – you have to look at it from the perspective of your sponsor. Did it add value to your sponsor? What adds value to Ford is probably not the same value to Coca-Cola and probably not the same value to Geico. They're all three different. So you can't apply a one-size-fits-all when it comes to value. Absolutely. I mean, you have these these kids that, you know, they, they ask me a lot, like, well, I don't ha- I have 250 Instagram followers or whatever. And I was like, don't worry about that number. Make sh- exactly. Like, take those 250 people and get them to go to – larry's pizza you know at your local track or whatever and then say hey you know john over at the races gave me this two dollar off coupon i want a slice of pizza said you get a third of those people 
I'm pretty sure yeah. that's going to increase Larry's pizza sales. You know, like it right. doesn't have to be Monster, Geico, whatever. Like, don't look at the that the inflated global number. Like, so many people get so wrapped up in that, and you know, oh well, you know this this girl has three million followers, and you know I don't. And I mean, Don gets all rallied up about that, <laughs> and I, I know. It just just don't worry. Just do your thing. Make yourself valuable, and you know. Don asks, you know, where do you get all these analytics and all these these things? There's so many, like at the the weekend warrior level, there's so many of these these websites and apps that you can download. They're like twenty bucks a year. It'll give you a weekly, monthly, however you want to pull it report on on your stuff, and you can actually you can also take other companies and follow theirs along, you know, their analytics too, because mo- the majority of it is public. So. Uh, you go on there and it, it, it creates the spreadsheets for you basically. And then you can look, okay, well, you know, this post worked really good. Well, why did this post work really good? Well, I, you know, I was wearing a foray and company hat in this post and, you know, I was wearing an MP hat in this post. Well, this post actually got, you know, 3000 more impressions or, you know, whatever or likes than this other one. Well, I can use that number. And then try to turn those some of those three thousand people into going to buy whatever parts or pizza coupons, whatever. There's there's all kinds of stuff. But you spend your thirty bucks, get your basic stuff. Facebook does it for free. I know Facebook's kind of a out now, but you can go in there and you know you can look at all that stuff and kind of get, just get an idea of what what you're looking at and you know learn what engagement is, learn what impressions are, learn these words so that way when somebody does ask you and you, when you're in a meeting or whatever. Oh, what's your engagement? What's your impressions? Oh, they're this, but I can do this with it or, you know, whatever. Well, I, I'll give you another way of looking at it. So the value for most company is sales. They want to increase sales, right? Pretty obvious. If, if you're increasing sales, then that has value to a company. And and most, most, most teams, most marketing efforts, most brand ambassadors, they will attempt to raise sales through raising quantities sold by selling more product because revenue and on a you know if you're looking at now financial statements revenue is quantity sold times price per unit so if you increase quantity sold you're going to increase revenue awesome well let's pretend that you can increase quantity sold that you cannot let's pretend that you really are not able to influence more people into a store to buy a product well if you can influence prices if you can help raise prices Revenues, quantity sold times prices. If prices are higher, then revenue also goes higher. So if you can increase the brand value, and those are the intangibles. You know, you have tangible assets, you have intangible assets. Tangible assets are things you can touch and feel. It's it's your livery, it's this the the logos, it's the ads that you're in. Your intangibles are reputation, um, series strength, determination, differentiation, things things that you you know are priceless. You can't put a number on them. But if it raises brand value, if, if you raise brand value, like follow the Red Bull example, Red Bull will only align with champions, first class teams, because it wants to raise brand value. By raising brand value, they can charge $3 for a 16-ounce can of soda or even an 8-ounce can of soda. Think about that. What, oh, yeah. what probably is worth $0.10, cents, they can charge 3 bucks for because the brand value is high. They might not be increasing quantity sold, they're increasing the price. And so racers don't always have to try to drive more customers to a brand if they can help elevate the value of that brand through their racing. There's two ways to raise revenue. You can raise quantities or raise prices. 
And everybody I've ever seen always tries to raise quantities, except Red Bull. They raise prices. <laughs> Think about Lamborghini and Chevrolet. You know, Lamborghini doesn't have to raise quantities sold. They just have to raise prices. Chevy needs to raise quantities sold. They can't raise their prices up to the level of Lamborghini. Think about that. And oh, if yeah. you're a team and you're not help, you're not able to drive traffic for your, your brand to a store to get customers to buy, well, help that brand with its integrity. Help that brand with its, you know, elevate the brand value. And, and therefore, they can charge higher prices and increase revenue. And then you add value. So value is not, it's not defined the same for everybody. Well, you now that your, we're... You have to know your sponsor. Well, now that we've gotten to that point, we're going to filter out a few things here. And we're going to kick that off by, guys, it's closing out the year. The year is almost over. You've got to get over to Racers and Rental Cars on our website. Click on the K&N Filter logo and get your free face mask from K&N. New technology, same great quality and engineering from K&N. Over to our website, click on the K&N logo, fill it out, newsletter, you're going to get in there. They're going to send you a free face mask. You're going to love it. You're going to need it because you know we're not getting away from these face masks anytime soon. So get your protection <laughs> not from, <us>. K- <laughs> from K&N Alex filters and kick off your 2021 season with a stylish K&N filter face mask from our friends at K&N filters. And please take the time to check out their new in-home filters that are reusable. We all have them in our heating and air system. Jump in there, check them out, get yourself one of those as well, and tell them that you heard it with us at Racers and Rental Cars, R-I-R-C. Now I'll add to that, Don, is K&N is probably one of the, the most premier companies in the automotive aftermarket parts um, industry. Do you know that a few days ago they just launched a premium line of motor oils? I was just going to say that. Ooh, <laughs> and yes, huge. we did know that's that. <laughs> yes, we did know that. Now they, can yes. sell kit. now they can sell kits. Now if you order a, you know, a filter change kit, it comes with the oil. Wow, how cool is that? Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes, anyway. and I'm... I'm sh- I'm sure there was a lot of chairs and desks that were getting flipped over or falling backwards out there on the West Coast, probably just a few miles up the road there. But nonetheless, <laughs> but again, you know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go back to your previous statement a little while ago that you made mention. So, you know, I'm a military guy. Loyalty, ethics, morals, values, those things matter to me. Right. Above all else. And when you made the comment about go for the competitor, right? So, like, if you've got, if you see a company and they're in the sport, right, or they need to be in the sport or they're in another sport and you want to bring them into motorsports, but you might not be able to, uh, you know, grasp their attention, go get the competitor for them. I mean, all you got to do is go over to hoovers.com and and type it in and they will tell you who the the top 10 competing brands and companies are to that product. Go after them because, I mean, it's no different than, uh, what is it, DoorDash got over there and now Uber Eats is, is dabbling and now they got picked up and bought and so forth. And it's like, those are companies, if they're competitors in there, it's still the same demographics and they're still consumers and they want to attract them for sales. And a lot of people don't think that they say, well, well, so-and-so oils in here and 
I, I mean, well, go get the other company, if unless it's just an inferior product in quality-wise, and you just don't want to do that. But a lot of times, people do not look at that business segment to try to pick that up. So um, that being said, we're, we're kind of getting closer here to the end of the show, and, and I need... I need some things from you, Alex. I need you to give our audience, I need you to give them two things that, that without a shadow of a doubt, you're, you're guiding, you're mentoring racers and you're, you're telling them two things. Look, I need you to do these two things to improve yourself, improve your opportunity and program. What two things are they and why? biggest two things that I have seen throughout my career now as first issuing and then now also selling sponsorships is uh, you never offer exposure unless it's a very small company that needs it or perhaps a service provider like Geico and you're going to fly a plane across beaches with it pulling a a giant banner or something. Um, Companies don't want exposure. Take that word out of your deck take the options out of your deck if you have three options gold silver bronze take that out because what you're doing is you're creating prices based upon what it costs you to race instead of creating prices based upon the value you can offer to your sponsors that's those are huge now it even goes a step further back is you don't want to confuse decks and proposals never send a company a deck if you mean to send them a proposal and never send a proposal if you mean to send them a deck the deck opens the door the proposal closes the deal if you send the wrong one they're going to ghost you you're not going to get a call back make sure that you send the correct document otherwise you know how many times have you gone to uh, an event and met a marketing director had a great conversation and you offer a deck and they're like okay sure i'll take it it seems all good you you get his business card you go back home and now you have his name and phone number and email address and then you never hear from that person again. It's very frustrating. It gets you angry sometimes. Like you just want to send them something in the mail that's going to pop in their face. You know, boom, big <laughs> thing that blows up, you know, with powder everywhere. Like, ah, why is this guy not responding? You know, you can get really irritated. It's, and, and we've all felt that, right? Well, it's because you sent the wrong document. You look like a fool if you're sending a deck when you should have sent a proposal or vice versa. So learn the difference. That's super important. And... Uh, And I think you also need to know, you have to respect the business that you're approaching because if you don't know their fiscal year and you're approaching them outside of their budget, it doesn't matter how good your your program is. If you're approaching, let's say, an American company, 65% of domestically, publicly traded companies in the United States, they close their fiscal year uh, at December 31st. If you're approaching someone in January, the budget cycle's over. You know, if you're starting your sponsor hunt in January, you might be able to get an American retailer because they typically close their year ends uh, January 31st. They give 30 days for allowances and you know, you know, people returning products after the holidays and Christmas. But go for a Japanese company. Their fiscal year starts April 1st. In January, Japanese companies, and there's a lot of them, Toyota, Sony, Makita, Kawasaki, think of all the Japanese companies, they're actually doing their budgets in January. And they close the fiscal year on March 31st, starting on April 1st. So know when the company's budget cycle is. Sometimes they're not calling you back because you're timing it wrong. And that's a pretty easy fix. You know, I I think those things there, send the correct document, send it at the right time. And, and, you know, you want to make sure that the company has money. A lot of people are fooled by franchises. Um, Big companies 
can or little companies can sound really big. There's a little Caesars here in my town. I live in Valley Center, which is a small country town south of Temecula in Southern California, and we have a little Caesars. It's owned by one guy. His name is Dave. It's it's not the big little Caesars, you know, that everybody thinks of, the big franchise with, you know, thousands of, of restaurants. No, he just owns one. So if you approach him for sponsorship, he might have a couple hundred bucks to help you drive traffic to his store, but he's not going to have that $100,000 that you're looking for. So know whether it's a company-owned, company-operated business or if it's a franchise. Know what their fiscal year is, their fiscal calendar. Know their budget. And know what they value. If, if you can't offer them value, not based upon what you want to do, but based upon how they perceive value, then, then maybe that you shouldn't be approaching that sponsor. There are a lot of companies out there that you can raise money from, a lot, if you approach them correctly. 100%. I love how you do, really. I use a little Caesars. Example, <laughs> that's when I can. My, my, yeah. One of my sons works there. That's why I know. Yeah. Well, my no, boys I got, did work I got sponsored by a friend. The the people in in Bakersfield owned the six the the six little Caesars in Bakersfield, and they sponsored me for the Hot Red reunion one year. And it was nice. I I used that example as a regional thing, like because it was just for Bakersfield, and it was just for that event. And but you know, little Caesars was on the side of the car, you know. So, yeah. Well, hey, Alex, I got one more quick question for you before we start to wrap up. So where get, give me two things that you think the direction of motorsports marketing, right? Where are where are we going? What are the two things that you think that people need to start uh, focusing on as we move forward here in, into, you know, 2021 and on? Two quick things. Well, all right. Uh, it could be a hundred quick things, but I'll, I'll maybe one is two. Let's let's look at it like this: is COVID was obviously an accelerant for the inevitable. It's our move online. I'm not the first one to say it. Everybody says it, and we all know it. Uh, we are all now entering a digital world. Um, my children, more so than me, I grew. I'm 55, so I grew up and lived most of my life in a physical world. Lately, it's becoming more digital. All of my kids, they all have cell phones and handhelds, and they're growing up in two worlds, physical and digital. In a physical economy, you want to sell physical goods, which is what we're all used to. In a digital economy, you want to sell digital goods. You want to sell things that you can sell to someone anytime, anywhere, anywhere in the world, in any currency, with the click of a mouse. And when I say sell, I don't mean necessarily that they have to purchase your product but you can sell them information, you can give them information. We are communicating digitally now, no longer to a physically restricted audience at a track or in a region or at a location. We can now reach anybody, anywhere, anytime, anywhere in the world with the click of a mouse. And if we start to think like that as racers, then we realize that our value is no longer limited to the local track and the people we promote to who might see us race. But if we're good online and if we're good through whether it's social or just digital marketing, man, we can now reach anybody anywhere who's connected. There, there's, I think, 7.8 billion people in the world, three and a half of them, three and a half billion, like half of them are connected. So if there is three and a half billion connected people, what are there, I think, 330 million Americans? Let's subtract the, all the Americans out from North Americans in the United States. Let's subtract all of them out from the 3.5 billion connected. 3.5 billion minus 330 million, 
that's still 3.2 billion people in the world that you can reach if oh, yeah. you're no mm-hmm. longer only marketing to your track. Now you market to the world. So I think that there's online movement um, has to be something that all brand ambassadors, whether it's racers or athletes at other sports or anybody, influencers, musicians, doesn't matter. They have to be looking at that. And then video games, I don't know that much about the industry, but obviously I think that's the future, especially if brands can incorporate themselves into video games, just like they incorporate themselves into tracks. What if you could purchase a K&N filter for $1.99 as an upgrade in a video game that you're playing, and now because you have better air intake and airflow, now your car goes faster online. And they didn't so even, they didn't even have to play the games. It. Right. Youth now start to think that gamers start to associate the increased performance that they get from purchasing these upgrades or qualifying for an upgrade by hitting a certain level, you know, get to a certain level, get new tires. Those tires make you go, you know, less flats. So you can go faster. You can hit turns better. Then suddenly they start to think about those brands when they go to purchase for their actual vehicle. So incorporation into video games and marketing through a digitally uh, a globally connected digital community, I think that's the future. None of us has really figured it out real well yet, but uh, I, I think that's, that's pretty good. So, that's yeah. pretty good. I still call it Nintendo. My students laugh. I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying I, to build them workshops. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I wrote a physical book for a physical world, but now I'm putting my workshops online. And with the workshops online, hopefully I can reach more people than those who I can just ship a book to. So we'll see what happens. There you go. All right. All right, Alex. So we appreciate you coming on the show. We're going to wrap up, but any guest that comes on Racers or Rental Cars podcast has to take the two questions to get out. You get to send one Christmas card to anybody in motorsports, alive or dead. Who are you sending a Christmas card to? Could it be Speed Racer? <laughs> Why? He's never made it on the list, so we'll add him. <laughs> if it's not Speed Racer, I would say it's going to be James Hunt. And that's because, um, thank you, by the way, Don, for your service. I know you're from the Army. My dad is retired 05 Army, and I grew up my entire life being a military brat. And when in 1976, we lived in England. I was 11 years old, and my dad took us to Silverstone where James Hunt and Nikki Lauda were racing. And that was my very first professional race. James Hunt won that race. And there are actually photos of us behind him in pit lane. You can see spectators there taking pictures as James is sitting on the hood of his car. You can see my mom, my brother, my dad, and then I'm holding a camera. So all you see is my body with a camera in the way. And you can't see my face, but that was a a neat time. I mean, that that kind of sparked my interest in racing. Well, that's the first time for James Hunt making our list. Here comes the fun one. You get to send one WTF card to anybody in motorsports. Who is it going to? So can I do two-wheel motorsports? Sure. Yeah, we'll take them. Because everybody else has done four-wheels so far. But honestly, the WTF, it's a good WTF. And it it is what went through my mind the first time I saw Pastrana do a double backflip. Because I ride motorcycles. And to see somebody do a double backflip, and now I know that Josh Sheehan has done a triple back, but I mean, WTF, seriously, people. If you've ever seen that live, that's insane. I don't know. It, it's a good WTF, I guess. Not, not I like, one like that, you know, though. Why are you closing out all these racing series? Yeah, I, I that like works. That, that's good. Meh. 
I'll take a, I'll take a good WTF. I mind when I saw it. It was like, whoa, that was crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll take a good WTF. We don't have a lot of those. We typically we we like the laundry list of the individuals that, and we've got a nice list of some individuals <laughs> that have had WTF cards Uh-oh. sent to them. So, Uh-oh. well, multiple well, WTFs. Uh, multiple WTFs. There's a few people in the clubhouse that have multiples sent to them. Um, hey, so well, real quick, guys, I have one. Sp- Special, I, I didn't tell you I was going to do this, Don, so you don't know this is coming. But as you know, I have an online workshop, and I created a code for your viewers to get half off for one week. If, oh, uh, nice. If, if they okay. want to try out the workshop, right now, um, it's you know I'm developing it, so it's pretty new. And anybody who has questions, I, I, they can call me, and I'll get on the phone personally with them and answer questions. But if they go to sponsorstrategies.com, and they enter the code RIRC half off, all capital, RIRC half off. That gives them 50% off of the, the sponsorship workshop. Boom. That's Courtesy awesome. Courtesy of Racers and Rental Cars. Heck yeah. Thank yeah, you so much, Alex. That's awesome. And all y'all, I know there's a lot of you out there. You better get your <laughs> oh, y'all. booties on there and do it. Well, you will I learn mean, something. You know, you know what? In Texas, they say y'all means you guys. You know, on the West Coast, we say you guys. In Texas, they say y'all. <laughs> That's y'all it. Y'all is singular. All y'all is plural. That's it. That's exactly right. Well, Alex, thank you very much for coming on the show. We appreciate your time. Like I said, we're definitely going to have you back in a few weeks. Uh, hopefully, we'll have uh, some folks take take advantage of your sponsorstrategy.com and the RIRC half off. And we'll have a few more questions as we've put it to our audience uh, that we're looking for them to send in to hate mail at racers and rental cars.com. One thing that they do really good or that they feel that they do really good in motorsports as part of their program for their marketing package and that we want to talk about it uh you know protecting the innocent if you will with the names but so hopefully we'll have some people that will kind of take advantage of that we've had megan myers program Uh, it's going full steam she's already started that so it's a hot and heavy deal the the world of motorsports marketing and we want to educate people the best we can because we need them we need the companies to be involved in the sport regardless of what the level is uh, because we cannot continue to chase this passion so we absolutely need them and we need folks like you out there alex uh, carrying the megaphone and the pom-poms to uh educate us and uh again thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on with us and uh i guess that closes us out and we want to wish you a merry christmas to you and your family alex and you take care and have a good week merry christmas to both you guys you have the absolute best racing podcast out there keep it up you guys are awesome I really Thank you so it. much. Keep it Boom. Up. You hear that? I like that. That was like, a I like that four or five star. I'm into that. That was a, right. That was a testimonial. I'm putting in my pop. It's report. a five plus star. Man. You guys are really good. Seriously. Boom. I love it. Appreciate well, it. Thanks, thanks Alex. Take care, sir. Take care guys. See ya. Cam and never, I never get tired of it. I never get tired of people reemphasizing that the fact that we've been on the air for almost three years now and we keep, and we keep having people on here and they keep telling us, yep, you're right. And, and adding to it. And there were a few things today, uh, cause I'm going to hold you to something cause you've been holding out on me. I don't know any of any of these apps reports. I spend 30 bucks on to help me with my metrics. I'm over here getting a calculator and a pencil and uh, go. I'm just saying you're holding out on me in our audience. I had no idea. So that's going to be for you next week. 
on the show. I'll, I'll see what I, I'll see if I'm if I'm in the giving mood since it is Christmas. There we go. We're going to talk about that next week. But Cam, I know you've got to get to an appearance because you know you're yes, big like that. So I will close out the show this week and let you get out of here. And you have Sounds a good Christmas, good. and I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thank you, guys. And uh, again, thank you to Alex and uh, and all of our listeners and, and all the good stuff. Don, take it from there. I'll see you guys soon. See ya. Later. Thank you very much, folks. We greatly appreciate it. We're wrapping up with the Merry Christmas time frame. Thank you for downloading this episode of Racers and Rental Cars. This episode has been brought to you in part by Streetway Marketing and Media, Voice America, for all of your podcasting needs, K&N Air Filters, Manscaped.com, CBDMD, Motion Raceworks, and LB Trailer Sales. Be sure to use the RIRC promo code at any of the listed sponsors. We appre- they appreciate your business, and we'll see you next week.